Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. My grandpa used to say, if nothing goes wrong, you don't remember the trip, right? You don't remember. It's always when there's a, something that's a little bit off, that's when you remember it. Uh, well, um, you just heard the most incredible presentation of the Christmas story ever. And so today, uh, I'm just going to share just a few thoughts on the greatest story ever told. And, um, you know, they, they, they do the cute nativity scene and everything like that. And, and today, I, I have a little bit of a prop that I'm going to use here with the, with the classic nativity. Now, I know last week I shared on the wise men, and I, I shared with you that the wise men were not there at the birth of Jesus. We know that. Uh, but every nativity has the wise men present. So uh, I don't, I don't want to negate what we shared last week, but for the sake of example today, I, I, I am going to highlight the wise men. So when you take a look at the nativity scene and you take a look at your life, there is an order to things. And we would all say when you look at the nativity scene, if it's out of place, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I don't know about you, but I found myself going through times in life and I would call it right place at the right time, had the right outcome, right? And all of you would say the same thing, right? There's moments you went through, uh, a connection, a divine appointment, we may call it, where you were in the right place at the right time and God did something for you. And when you, when, when you take a look at the nativity scene, I would say if, if it's out of place, it doesn't work right. And I just would encourage us in our own hearts, it's not so much about the nativity scene and, and where it's placed on the table as much as it is where, where is this scene in your own heart. And so in, in the course of the nativity scene, obviously we have some of the, the, uh, the, the major players, if you will. Uh, we have the star of the show and his name is... Jesus, thank you. You got that right. Good job. All right, lunch on me. So you have baby Jesus in the middle, right? He's the star of the show. Uh, you have Mary and Joseph uh, looking fondly, looking, looking down on their son. Uh, on, in the nativity scene, then you also classically would have the wise men. And again, we know that they weren't there uh, at that first Christmas scene. But for the sake of this message, we're just going to keep them in this nativity scene. And then you have the angel uh, announcing uh, the birth of Christ to the shepherd's boy. And then you have uh, the animals. We have a, a camel, a donkey, we have a sheep or a lamb. I don't, I don't know what the difference is, but one of this is either a sheep or a lamb. I don't, I don't know. Some of you farmers can correct me afterwards. Uh, and, then you have, and then you have the cow. So this, this plays out the nativity scene. And when you look at it, it only makes sense when it's set up right with Jesus at the center. And you, you, you look at the nativity scene and it looks beautiful, right? And, 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 and I'm a fan of nativities. I love it. We have our own nativity. We've gone through iterations of our nativity. We had the, the willow hand carved things, you know, that was part of our nativity scene for a while. When our kids were little, I think we even had the Fisher Price little people nativity scene. Like we've gone through iterations of it, right? And it only works when Jesus is at the center. And my encouragement to us is it Jesus at the center of the nativity scene in, in your heart. And this looks peaceful enough, 
But how many know that when this nativity happened, nativity uh, actually means birth. So when the, when this blessed birth happened of our Savior, how many know it was pretty chaotic? Mary and Joseph, they, they travel some 90 miles. It was a big trip for her. And they get down to Bethlehem and they, they are looking for a place to stay. Now, mind you, Joseph's whole family was called to go take part in the census. And somewhere in their family lineage, somebody had some sort of property, we believe, there. Somebody had to have lived there. Somebody they knew lived in Bethlehem. But they didn't take them in. They were turned away by their family for whatever reason. It's not mentioned in the story. We really don't read and hear much, if anything, about their families. And I believe it's probably because the way that Christ was born into the world, their families probably rejected them at that time. And so they found themselves feeling very alone, traveling, exhausted, wondering, how are we going to do this? How am I going to make it? How am I going to get through this moment? I feel like God's doing something in and through me. I'm about to birth something, but my life doesn't make sense right now. And maybe you're here in this room and you'd say, I can relate. I don't understand how it's all working together. I feel like God's in it, but I don't see it. I don't know how he's gonna birth it, but there's a lot in my life right now outside of circumstances and it feels a little bit chaotic. And I just wanna encourage us for the time that we have together remaining today is just to look in your heart. Where is Jesus? If he's at the center things make sense. If he's not at the center, things will always feel out of control. You will never have peace. You will never have that rest. And in, in the nativity scene, I just want to highlight for the sake of the, the conversation today, uh, a, a few of the players of this, and we're going to go through them one by one. And the first one that I want to highlight is going to be the shepherds. And the shepherds, where's the shepherd at? Here's the shepherd. The shepherds, for the sake of this illustration, they're gonna represent your vocation. They're gonna represent your career, maybe school for you college students. This is what the shepherds are gonna represent. And my question to you is, is Jesus at the center of your vocation? Do, do you, are you finding purpose in what you do for a living, that you're not just making a living, you're actually building a life and you're there on purpose? Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I love Luke 12, 31 says this, he will always give you all that you need from day to day if you'll make the kingdom of God your primary concern. What would your career path look like if your primary concern was to follow and fulfill the call of God on your life in that career? And for some of you, that career might take you into the healthcare industry, or it might take you into education spheres, or it might take you into business and finance. And for some of you, you might feel vocationally called to pastor, to be a missionary, what have you. Things get skewed when Jesus isn't at the center. And as life, as things come at you, you're going to feel this gravitational pull to pull away and do things on your own rather than fully relying on him. But it doesn't make sense if Jesus 
isn't at the center. And then the, the second characters that I want to highlight are the, the wise men. Now, we talked about the wise men last week, so I'm not going to spend too much detail on them. But for the sake of today's illustration, the wise men in this nativity scene, they represent our finances. And, you know, God wants to bless you. He wants to see you prospering as your soul prospers. But if that prosperity is going to lead you to build your own kingdom and not his, it might please you and your pocketbook, but God wants you to have a greater purpose. What could your life look like? What could your finances look like if you were to truly go all in this year and put God first? What could it look like? Matthew 19, Jesus is sharing this. He's, he, he's having a conversation with the rich young ruler. And he, he says to him, he says, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then I want you to come follow me. Some other people that Jesus called, he said, let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me now. To this guy, who could have been the 13th disciple when you think about it. But to this guy, he said, go ahead and settle those things, sell everything, give it all to the poor, and then I want you to come follow me. And then one of the saddest scriptures, it says this in verse 22. It says, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You know if those things that you think you own actually own you, if you're unwilling to walk away from that, if the Lord called you. And there's, there's, there's something that I've seen since we moved here three years ago to plant Authentic Church, and I've seen it all over the world, and that is the poverty of riches. There's a lot of people that have a gift of God on their life to make great money, and they make great money, but then they're spiritually bankrupt, and despite all the money they have, they have nobody to spend that money with. That's a lonely place. But if Jesus is at the center of your finances, if we're putting God first, honoring him, honoring his word, what could God do in our lives in 2024 if we were to really put God first in our finances? Deuteronomy 8 says this, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. What could your life look like if Jesus was at the center of your vocation, of your career, of your schooling, and in the center of your finances? And the next thing I wanna illustrate is the, the animals, and I'm going <laughs> to use these animals. You might be looking up here, how are you going to, what are the animals going to be? You know, for some of you, uh, animals is a literal illustration because you have a bunch of animals at your house, right? Animals, for the sake of this, they represent distractions. Distractions. And we all have distractions that try to come up and grab our attention. We all have things in our life we could look at and go, in 20 years, is that thing that I'm doing today, is that, that distraction, is that really going to matter? Is, that, is, is, that, is that, that, that trip I want to go on or that concert or that video game, is that really going to matter 20 years from now? Or is there something else? And I'm all for taking a break. I'm all for taking time to rest and veg out and whatever refills your soul. Like, I'm all about that. But if that thing is continually coming up, 
as an area of contention or frustration in your heart or in your marriage or in your business, I would argue, is that a distraction? Romans 13, 11 says this, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. We're one day closer to Jesus coming back. Somebody asked, Pastor Jeff, when do you think Jesus come back? I'm like, I don't know, but I know we're one day closer than we were yesterday. We're one day closer. I got a text message this morning. I was texting back and forth with a, a friend of mine. He's been a mentor to me. He's in his 80s. Sweet, sweet man of God. And he lost his wife. She passed away this past week. And I, 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 I didn't want to text him right away because I, I know what that's like when you're going through hard stuff. We, we ended up saying goodbye to our brother at 40 years young in September on my wife's side of the family. And so I know what that's like. And so I gave him a few days and I shot him a text message and I said, hey, I want to let you know we love you. There's no words that can bring comfort in a moment like this, but I just want you to know our family's praying for you. And, uh, and I, I kind of left it there. I didn't really expect it to hear back from him. And he texted me right back. And he said, Jeff, this is a pain like I've never felt before. I can't even tell you. He had lost his first wife years ago to cancer, lost his second wife. She had a blood clot and went to her brain and she was gone, just like that. You don't know how much time you have. So don't waste it. Use it wisely. Proverbs 19.15 says this, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. It's one of the reasons I'm really big for my kids to, to be working and, and earning money. And, and, and even my boys, they're on Christmas break right now and I'm encouraging them. They, they have a little lawn mowing business that they have. And so, uh, so they do that and they earn a little bit of money. But uh, I, they were talking about earning money for Christmas and I'm like, you know, dad's tapped. <laughs> so, you know, as much as I'd love to pay you for a bunch more chores through the end of the year, like our budget is met, sons. You'll have to go to the neighbors and, and try to go get some work. So they're, this week, they're going to be going around and soliciting to wash windows for people to earn money. You know, God, God laid in place this six-day work week, and you rest on the seventh, right? And a lot of us, you know, we, we have positioned that to where we kind of work like five, and then it's really more like four and a half. And then if we're really honest, like some of us, you know, we're, you know we, we could do a little bit stronger in the job. And you know, whatever it may be in your world, I want to encourage us, what could your life look like this year if you really put your hand to the plow? What could your life look like this year if you were like, I am going to make my time matter? One of my favorite things to do is making to-do lists. I'm a list guy. Is there any other list people in here? Like you love lists, right? You're organized. And right now in your house, you're like, you're feeling a little out of sorts because there's Christmas wrapping paper and boxes everywhere. And you just want it to be all done so that it's neat, clean, orderly, everything's in its place, right? I'm a list guy. And one of the things I love to do on my, I have a master to-do list. And what I do is I pull those off and I actually schedule those into my calendar. Because if I don't, they're probably not going to get done because distractions, the animals will always try to rise up and rob you of getting those things done. What would it look like for you in 2024 if you were going all in for Jesus and you decided I'm going to live every day as if it's my last. I'm going to live every day with purpose. 
I'm going to live every day for the call of God, the, the cause of God. I'm going to live every day for the purposes of God. I'm going to arrange my life around God. I'm not going to try to arrange God around the rest of my life. Proverbs 6.10 says this, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Let's live 2024 with purpose, amen? All right, the other one I'm gonna talk about is Mary and Joseph, the royal fam, the first royal family. Mary and Joseph here. And, and, and there's, there's this, there's a great saying, and I love it, and, and it's family first. And, and it sounds good, but family and some family activities, if Jesus isn't at the center, become futile, and even in our relationship and our, with our spouses, husbands, God has given you your wife as a gift. But she's not the end all. She's not your source of joy. She cannot be your source of affirmation. At some point, no matter how perfect she is, and I know she's amazing and perfect, at some point she's gonna do something that frustrates you. Ladies, we know we're gonna do something to frustrate you, okay? <laughs> we know at some point we're gonna drop the ball. Spouses, husbands and wives, you cannot find your worth and your purpose in your spouse. That has to come from God. Fawn and I, we have a saying, first and foremost, we focus on our relationship with God, we focus on our own spiritual health, and then we focus on each other. Because if this isn't right, if the vertical's not right, the horizontal's not gonna be making sense. Is there any things in your relationship that you've put above the Lord? Are there habits, are there things that are actually drawing you away from God, not pushing you towards God? Is there any, I, I, know, I know families that have basically forsaken going to church during soccer season or baseball or football season or whatever because it just doesn't fit with their schedule. Let me tell you this, if you view God and his church as optional, don't be surprised when your kids view God as unnecessary. If you view God, and I think we have this on a slide, if you view God and his church as optional, don't be surprised when your kids view God as unnecessary. What could 2024 look like for you and your family? for your relationships. If you made the decision, you know what? Christ is gonna be the center focus. Every Sunday when we're in town and we're healthy, I get there's, there's stuff that comes up. Vacations, dude, take time off. I get it. Travel, business travel, I get it. Do that, that's fine. But what, it, what would 2024 look like in your world if you just made the commitment, you know what? Every time I'm in town on a Sunday, and our family can physically go to church, we're gonna make that a priority. What could it look like? Hebrews 11, or excuse me, Hebrews 10 says this. We must also consider how to encourage one another to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. Family works best when Jesus is at the center. And the, the other area I want to talk about is the angels. Lastly, in 
For the sake of this illustration, the angel's gonna represent religion. Angels are gonna represent you knowing the truth, but your spiritual pride has risen you up where you no longer have grace for anyone else and you don't have grace for yourself. Angels are gonna represent maybe you know a lot, but knowledge puffs up where love builds up. And maybe you've fallen into the trap and you've done deep dives and studies and you're growing, which is awesome. I'm all for that. But if you're honest with yourself, you kind of look down as other people as if they were inferior rather than being gracious with them, being kind to them. Yeah, share the heavy revy that you got. That's awesome, man. But don't put yourself up on a spiritual pedestal looking down upon the other people around you. Is there any striving in your life? Are you doing things out of religion rather than out of love. Remember, we all know this. Jesus didn't come to build a religion. He came to build relationship. And he wants to build a relationship with you. You can always spot a religious person. They're, they're the ones who criticize the most. <laughs> That's it. If there's a strong critic inside of you, be careful because there's probably a spirit of religion on you. But man, when you have grace, when you have love, when you look at somebody's post, you go, I don't know everything going on in their life. Maybe pray for them rather than just commenting on them. It's easy to comment. It's easy to be armchair quarterback in somebody else's highlight reel. Oh, they could have done this. They should have said this better. Yeah, right? It's easy to do that. But I would encourage us in 2024 is to stop the striving, not doing it in your own strength. I just want to remind you, you know, sometimes you can listen to the devil's words that tells you, oh, you can't go to church, you're not good enough, your, your life's out of order. Can I just be honest with you? Like, you're never going to be good enough. None of us will ever be good enough. That's why Jesus came. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus came. That's the message of Christmas. Because you can't do it on your own. If you could do salvation on your own, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die a horrible death if you could do it on your own. But you couldn't do it on your own. None of us can do it on our own. So God sent his son, Jesus. Matthew 15, verse eight, says this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And my heartbeat, my hope as your pastor is that when we gather, even on a Sunday, that when we're singing these songs, we talked about it today, we don't want it to just be songs on a screen. We want it to be worship to the king. Like we want to worship from that place where it's just, God, I love you. And when you're just honest and you don't try to put on a show with your words or your prayers, God loves that. And he comes and he fills your life. And I, I believe that there's some people in this room and you feel like, I gotta do this and I didn't do this. God told me to do this and I didn't do it and I feel like a failure. And you're looking at your failures when God's looking at you through the lens of what Christ did for you and he's so proud of you. Like you're in church today. He's so proud of you. Five years ago, this wasn't even on some of your radars. I just tell you, the love of the Father, he's so proud of you. I, I, when I started having kids, we got five of them, I had this fresh vision, picture from God of his love for his kids. 
like it's heaping. It's overwhelming for those of you that have kids. You look at them. They do nothing to earn your love. They come out of the womb and they're all they're, they're needy. They cry when they're hungry. They poop everywhere. They have blowout diapers. They're a massive inconvenience. You tried to get out the door at 9 a.m. and they're like, ha, not today, <laughs> right? There were so many times where it felt like, why in God's name did you have to have a blowout diaper today? And you're dressed in the perfect Christmas outfit that we got you, that we spent money on, and now we have nothing to put you in and no time to wash anything, and you come to Christmas service, and you look like a ragamuffin, and the mom's like, oh, you know, she's feeling overwhelmed, and dad's like, I don't even care. You know, right? <laughs> why does that happen, Right? But when you look at a child, man, for those of you that have babies, they just light you up. Can I just tell you, you light him up. He loves you. He loves you. Oh, I blew it here and there. He does, he, yeah, he wants to work on that with you. He wants to walk with you through that. Absolutely. Because he loves you. He doesn't want you living in sin and struggling. He wants you to experience freedom. But he's not hung up on it like you are. He's saying, I love you. I care for you. When Christ is at the center of your life and not religion, the striving ceases and grace gets released into your life. Jesus led with grace and then he shared the truth. Some people go too strong on truth and then the person leaves before they have a moment to extend them grace. Grace leads the way. Truth comes and brings the balance. So what would your look, life look like if Jesus was at the center of your life? The picture of Jesus. And my question today is, when you look at this and you look at the, 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 the finances or you look at the, the shepherds and the career path or uh, you, you look at the different distractions and things going on in your life, what's really at the center? Are those things at the center or is Jesus? And if it doesn't look right, it's not gonna fit right, and it's not gonna work right. And I just wanna encourage us, church, as we go through the holidays, and I hope you have the most incredible Merry Christmas. I pray you go into the new year and you, it just, you just celebrate and you're ready for 2024. There's a lot that's probably gonna come your way in 2024. Like the world's getting crazier by the second, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. We're coming into an election year, buckle up. It's gonna get nuts. There's gonna be something, right? And there's gonna be distractions that try to take the place of God. There's gonna be worry that's gonna try to hit you with finances. There, 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 there's gonna be times where you feel like, man, I blew it and you're striving and God wants to give you grace there's gonna be moments where you feel like I just can't do enough and you won't be able to and his grace is gonna come in but what would your life look like? What would our lives look like? What would the church of God look like if Jesus was truly at the center? This is why he came, John three sixteen, the most famous scripture in the Bible, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
You know, 700 years before Jesus is born, there was a guy that walked the face of the earth. This guy's name was Isaiah, and he was a prophet uh, around the time of Micah um, and then um, King Hezekiah. And so uh, he, he walked the earth during that time, and he had more messianic prophecies, pictures of the future, than any other prophet. And in 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah gets this picture in his mind and he writes it down. And he wrote so many different incredible ones. If you did just a Google search on messianic prophecies in Isaiah over this Christmas season, it would bless you. 700 years before Jesus comes, he writes this in Isaiah 9 verse two. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Like he could picture his mind 700 years into the future, he could see there's people and they're walking in darkness. But then they see this great light. In verse six, he says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And then he has this picture of government. He says, and the government, it's, it's on his shoulders like he's carrying it. The government is on his shoulder. And then he gets this, this vision of what his name is. And his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His, his name is Counselor. His name is Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is more than just a great scripture for a Christmas card. <laughs> 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah has this picture and it blows his mind and he writes it down for us to read for the rest of time. Is he wonderful? Do you look at him and say, Lord, you're wonderful? Is he your counselor? I'm all for counselors. I think everybody needs somebody that can counsel them. But he wants to be first counselor in your life. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. That government's on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What would 2024 look like if Jesus was truly at the center of your life? What could Christmas look like with all the trimmings, the packages, the wrappings, the parties and everything? What could Christmas look like for you putting Jesus back into the first place of your life? I'm gonna have the worship team join me up front as we close today. And maybe you're here and if you're honest, Maybe it's the finances have become first place in your life. You go, no, you know what? I've been really doing it in my own strength. I haven't really been trusting God. I've not been honoring him and his word. Maybe you're here today and if you're honest, man, I, I've lived pretty idle. I, I got too many distractions. It's really easy to spot a distraction. Just ask the Holy Spirit, what's a distraction in my life that keeps me from you or keeps me from being a a greater leader, lover of my family. And whatever comes to mind, that's probably the Holy Spirit telling you, you may need to lay that down. Maybe you're here today and your career, you've been focusing so much on the career and what God's been doing in you and through you or your school or your calling or what am I gonna do next year? You've been so focused on that and worried about that 
and you haven't really put God first, then he's saying, if you put me first, I'm going to make all that stuff make sense. <laughs> I'm going to bring it together. You don't realize all the divine appointments that I have set up for you. You haven't seen and walked in the blessings that I have for you yet because I'm waiting for you to put me first because if you don't put me first, the blessings I have for you could actually take you out. So he, as a loving father, withholds some of those blessings so that you get the vertical right and then he'll bless the horizontal. Does that make sense? And maybe you're here today and you've just been trying to do it all in your own strength. And you've been critical of yourself, you've been critical of others, and that spirit of religion has tried to hold you down. And that's going to go today in the name of Jesus. Striving is going to cease. You're going to be reminded that you're a son, that you're a daughter, that he loves you so much. This is the message of Christmas, that Christ sent his only son to live, to die for you, that you'll have everlasting life and life abundantly. Amen? Why don't we all stand as we close out today? I just encourage you just to close your eyes, bow your heads, and just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me today, God? What are you sharing with my heart God, I receive you. And we make the decision this morning, Lord, God, we don't want to have anything in the way of you. We don't want to have anything in place of you. So Jesus, I put you first in my life again today. And why don't we just all confess that with our mouths? Jesus, I put you first in my life today. I want you to be the center of my life. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness that makes us new, the mercies that are new every morning. Thank you, Lord. I pray for fresh joy, a fresh wind of your presence to fill the lives of your people. I pray, Father, for hearts and minds to be touched and transformed by you. God, I pray, Father, for this Christmas season to be the best that we've ever had. God, I thank you for fresh hope, faith rising. God, even if our physical family lets us down, the spiritual family is strong, and God, our relationship with you is strong. So I pray your blessing upon your people today. God, I pray for a fresh, a, a fresh renewal inside of us all. God, a, a, a freshness in our passion for the things of you. Our desire to live with you. To spend time with you. Not out of obligation or out of religion, but God out of a, out of a desire for relationship. So Jesus, we receive your love today. We receive you fresh today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give God praise for what he's done today? For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.